You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. I am Seth Peterson. I am Debbie Hedren. I'm Rhonda Schwartz. I'm Doris Roberts. This is Jesslyn Gilson. Hello, I'm Victor Webb. Hi, this is Charlotte Ross. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. What's up, you guys? This is AJ from the Bashing Hi, this is Shannon Elizabeth, and you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. And you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. With John Patch. John Patch. You're listening to Talkin' Pets with John Patch. Hello, America, and welcome to Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. Join John and his expert guests with all of your pet questions, concerns, comments, and stories. Now it's time for Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. And welcome to Talkin' Pets, heard coast to coast on your favorite radio station. This is Talkin' Pets, and I'm John Patch. Joining us is animal expert, Barry Siebold. Here to answer your medical questions and your behavior questions about your pets at 866-606-8255. When you call into that number, you'll speak with Mr. Zach Buden, and he'll put you on the line with us at 866-606-8255. In studio, our producer is the lovely and talented Miss Jenna Winters. Hi, honey. Hi, Jenna. (laughs) How are you? Good. (laughs) The show is brought to you in part by Earth-Friendly Natural Pet, the number one stain and odor remover in the country. That's Earth-Friendly. And we have a special guest joining us in this hour. His name is Dr. Vint Verga. And his book, The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human. Boy, what a book that's needed in this day and age. But once again, I'm John Patch. I'm Barry Siebold. I'm Jenna Winters. 866-606-TALK. We're going to be giving away a couple of the books, The Soul of All Living Creatures, so stay tuned. And if you'd like to win a book, call in when ready. But once again, we want to talk with you at 866-606-8255. You're listening to Talking Pets. Once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Barry Sewell. I'm Jenna Winters. The number to call is 866-606-8255, 866-606-TALK. And I want to welcome onto the program right now the author of The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human, Dr. Vint Verga. Hey, Vint, how you doing? Hi, thanks for inviting me. Ah, it's great to have you on with us. Now, I understand just a little bit on your bio here. You're a distinguished uh, practitioner and leader in veterinary behavioral medicine, uh, consulting nationally to zoos and wildlife parks, private corporations, and professional organizations on the care and well-being of animals, and also has appeared on featured guests as a featured guest on ABC World News, PBS Wild TV, and National Geographic Explorer. Uh, some nice credentials there. How, <laughs> how long did it take you to put this book together? Uh, John, it took me five years to work wow. on the book. Yeah. Um, and I'd say that it was in my thoughts for another five. So if you want to put those together, I guess you could say ten. I noticed on the back of the book, actually, um, that a good friend of ours on the show here and a good friend of mine, John Katz, uh, author of Dancing Dogs and many other books, that gave you a nice uh, plug here at the back of your book. Yes, yes. 
great. I haven't guy. actually met him, but uh, I, I, he he was very complimentary about the book. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. I love John. He's he's been on the show so many times throughout the years. We've been on the air now for about mm, twenty four years, long time. But I want to introduce you right off the bat to Barry Siebold. Hello, how's it going? Hi. And of course, our producer here, uh, Jenna Winters. Hi, Vint. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And of course, uh, all of America and beyond. And I want a big, uh, big welcome to WVWI out there in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Welcome to the show. Uh, they just added the program, so uh, big welcome to you guys. And we're speaking right now, of course, with Dr. Vint Verga, the soul of all living creatures, what animals can teach us about being human. I made a comment at the beginning there when I was introing your book, uh, Dr. Virgo, about the, the fact of that, what a good title to have out, especially in this day and age. <laughs> Do you think there's a lot that, you know, if people really pay attention to their pets or to animals out there, whether domestic or wild, that they can pick up and learn from them? Oh, certainly. Um, I, I think it's always held true, but I, I think in this particular day and age, we're a lot more receptive than we were 20, 30 years ago to that type of information. I think it's because, partially because we're craving that, that, that type of um, connection with our animals. And nowadays, I mean, you even state here in your book, nearly two out of three American families share their uh, homes with pets. I mean, we do consider them our children. Uh, they're an extended part of the family. They sleep in our beds. We celebrate their birthdays. We do all that stuff. And the funny part, too, you even mentioned that, you know, a lot of people will leave messages, which I'm guilty of as well. Well, not so much <laughs> now because the voicemail has the voicemail system has changed a little bit. But when it used to be the box on the desk or you know, on your end table, you used to be like, hey, Rain, what are you doing? Is Daddy on the phone? John just gave his, gave his cat cell phones now, so that's, he's taking it up one notch. <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> I think most people would. You know, a lot of people like to travel with their pets, but then, you know, a lot of people leave them home. And more so, I think you're seeing a lot more pets rather than going to kennels or stuff that they're getting pet sitters and people either stay at the house or come in and take care I've of them. I've noticed a lot more hotels now being, oh, big time, yeah. being more pet friendly than they used to be. Yeah. Yes, isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, they cater to them not only, you know, being able to come into the hotel, but with dinners and beds and. Now, if I can just get mine to go out and get a job and pay half the mortgage, I'd be happy. <laughs> that would be nice. You see anything in that, Dr. Vergis? <laughs> can we teach our pets to go get work for us? I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you even talk not only about the domestic part of it, but you talk about zoos and wildlife and stuff like that and the parks and everything a lot of people visit because they, they do want to get closer um, to, you know, to animals. But you deal, you're a lot more on of the behaviorist side, correct? Yeah, yeah. I was in general practice for years, and then uh, when behavioral medicine started uh, taking off as a specialty and they offered residencies um, for uh, veterinarians to go back to the universities and do specialized work in just behavior, um, I, I um, luckily was given the opportunity to, to um, enter into a program at Cornell, and um, I've been in behavioral medicine ever since. Do you find, like, in the behavior side of things with local shelters all around the country that that animals end up there more so because of behavioral issues rather than, like, medical issues or people are moving out of town and they can't keep their pet or whatever? Well, that seems to be the number one reason, right? Yeah, the statistics are a little tricky there, but I, I think that's the general impression. I think that's the belief that that um, that most of the experts hold, and I, I would agree with that. That that behavioral issues, if they're not the number one reason for uh, bringing an animal to the shelter, then it's certainly within the top few reasons. If you were to put together all the behavioral reasons together, you know, and, and a lot of people do give up their pets because of behavior issues and. A lot of times they kind of 
they basically don't know how to read their pet or know what they're thinking, and all of a sudden they do something, and it's like, oh, I can't put up with this anymore. You're going away. Pack your bags. You're out. You know. Yeah, but yeah. is there a way that people can maybe pay more attention to their pets and kind of read what they're saying, what they're thinking, what they're doing? Well, I, absolutely, and that's what, of course, the the entire book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, which which it's hard to encapsulate in just a, a minute or two. But what I would tell you is that the essence of of the book is really focused on trying to help readers discover what those complexities and nuances are in terms of what the animals that we live with and the one, what the animals that we see even at the zoo think and feel. Um, so that the, we can then have a deeper relationship, not only with them, but with each other. You know, it's funny because um, for, for many years, we used, to do, we used to produce the program at some of the theme parks in the area, like Universal Studios, and we were at SeaWorld for quite a while, for years mm-hmm. and on. And we used to be in our own little glass box. We were like fish in an aquarium, you might say. A very small box. <laughs> yeah. Well, at, at, at SeaWorld. Universal yeah. was a you know, much bigger studio. But the fun part was is that I remember Barry way back when we used to do this event uh, was we would sit there and we would watch people and you know not to say we were making fun of people but it's always interesting to go we were did you really look in a mirror before you came out and wore that outfit <laughs> and it's like really it's like you know a treadmill would be nice um, so I mean what the point that I'm making here is as humans we kind of look at other people and kind of judge a little bit we all kind of do it. But, I mean, what about in terms of our pets? Do they judge us? Do you think they're looking at us and going, really? You really got your hair cut like that? <laughs> I don't know if they judge us for our haircuts. <laughs> but I think that animals are, are just as capable of making judgments as people are. And certainly some of the animals I've dealt with where they're having behavioral issues, um, some of those are in relation to um, that particular animal making judgments about another animal or, or certain types of people. So I've seen dogs that are afraid of people, for example, that wear hats or overcoats or carry umbrellas or delivery people. Um, so they make, they, they make an, uh, more, more than likely they've had some sort of unfortunate incident or aversive incident with one person and they've made a generalization and association, but, but that's based on judgment. Um, what I would say, though, is that most of the animals that I deal with in a day-to-day basis, I think uh, I'll go on record as saying that they let go of those judgments as a whole better than we do as people. Oh, I, I could I could definitely believe that one. We're speaking with Dr. Vint Verga, the soul of all living creatures, what animals can teach us about being human. You can find it in bookstores and online. It's put out by Crown Publishers. Once again, you are listening to Talking Pets. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Your dog digs a hole under your fence, and the next thing you know... Protect your pets with Dig Defense, the amazing new product that keeps your pets in the yard. Dig Defense is safe, fast, and easy. Each unit is made from 4-gauge galvanized American steel and can be used for repairing digouts, filling gaps, or to hold fences down so pets can't get under them. Dig Defense provides peace of mind that your pets are contained humanely and safely. Visit digdefense.com today. D-I-G-D-E-F-E-N-C-E.com. Dog Shelter Blues, the new novel by Mark Conkling. This hard-hitting story lights up the world of animal rescue with engaging characters and their pets, struggling with their own internal demons as they attempt to rescue innocent creatures that sometimes bring a mysterious transforming power to broken lives. 
Read the first chapter of Dog Shelter Blues free at dogshelterblues.com and come along a breathtaking journey that ends with an astonishing triumph of good over evil. Order your copy of Dog Shelter Blues today. Available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And I can change Even if I tried Even if I wanted to And once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Barry Sewell. I'm Jenna Winters. 866-606-TALK is the number, 866-606-8255. We're speaking with the author of The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human, Dr. Vint Verga. For the uh, number three call, the third caller that calls in right now at 866-606-TALK, 866-606-8255. You're going to get a complimentary copy of the book, by Dr. Vint Verga. So call right now and the book is yours. The third call to come in. Uh, you can speak with Zach, our producer. 866-606-8255. It's a beautiful hard copy book. And again, it's put out by Crown Publishers. It's available in bookstores and online. And again, The Soul of All Living Creatures. Number three caller, 866-606-8255. Call now and the book is yours. You know, a lot of times, Vint, we, we, have, we have discussions on the show here and it's one of those downer moments that sometimes it's hard to get out of when we're doing the show, but it's a topic that's really endearing and very important, is talking to a, a pet parent who loses their extended family, their pet. And do you have any advice, I mean, I, that you can say to someone on how to deal with that? Oh, my goodness. Um, yes, it's it's actually a little bit funny that you um, asked me that and that I just finished writing a piece for uh, an upcoming literary journal in September on just that, when man's best friend passes. Um, what what I can tell you, John, is that there. I, I can certainly tell you lots of things that I I feel are not very comforting to tell a friend or or a, a, a colleague or an associate who may have lost a pet. Um, and, and those range from, well, you can get another puppy to, well, you knew this time was coming and, well, dogs only live so long. But, but I think more importantly, um, to, to focus on what we can say to them, it's difficult for me every time I, uh, am facing a blank card, uh, and writing a follow-up to a friend or a client about the loss of their dog or cat. Um, what exactly to say? And, and it's something I sit there with the black, blank paper. And what really works best for me is to try to remember something about that relationship between the dog and that person that really impacted me. There's something special, I feel, in every relationship between a person and an animal. And what I try to do is just take a few moments and try to try to see what it feel, what it was that, that struck me about their relationship, that impacted me. And that's where I start from in terms of um, talking with them or writing a, a, a card to them. It's always hard because, I mean, a lot of people... I kind of look at it personally this way, and I, Lord forbid I, the day that 
my two cats die because they have been by my side for 15 years and like literally my kids. Uh, I know I'm going to be a basket case. But I, I also look at the fact that once they pass, by adopting an animal, whether cat, dog, or whatever, from a local shelter or a rescue group, you're saving a life and you know, and giving another pet a home. So it's it's I think it's kind of one good way to look at it. Yes, yes, certainly. What what I encourage um, clients um, is to make sure that they honor their relationship with their dog or their or their cat when they've passed, and to not rush out and and to get another animal immediately, mm-hmm. um, but but just to give themselves some time for um, for grieving and letting go and remembering. Um, but then um, certainly to go to a shelter and 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 find another animal and not to not to go for years without a without a pet i think is a is a is a wise thing to do you know it's like, like you were just talking about the grieving process but we yeah we do go through all that we go through the sadness and then we go through you know the blame or the anger and all those steps we actually go through that with with the passing of our pets certainly we definitely do i got to ask you uh, on another subject domesticated versus wild as a behaviorist and all do you find personally speaking um that you like working a little bit more with the domesticated side, or do you like working with the wild animals? <laughs> well, um, I, I'm working almost exclusively with um, uh, wild animals at this point, or zoo animals at this point. Um, there's a few clients from my um, uh, small animal behavior practice that I still do work with, but I haven't taken any new small animal clients for several years. Um, the in the zoo practices kept me pretty busy. Um, the the um, the thing I, I can say about the the zoo practice is that there's there's an endless variety in terms of uh, this, the different um, range of species I deal with. What's, your, what's from, your number one? What's your favorite? Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I think that I could give you a different answer every day. Um, uh, one of uh, a couple of animals that I'm particularly fond of right now are two. Um, uh, Takans, which are uh, the national beast of uh, national animal of Bhutan, and they look a, a, a little bit like a, the cross between a, a, a bison and a wildebeest and um, some type of an antelope. They, they kind of look like a wildebeest that's had um, very bad hornet stings <laughs> across his muzzle, um, and they they're not exactly particularly social with people. But these particular two brothers at this one zoo, I just absolutely um, I can't seem to get enough. <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, I've always been, uh, I've always been attracted to tigers. When I see tigers, and a good friend of mine is Tippy Hedren, and I spend time at her place once in a while, and she's got tigers and lions there, and I'm just fascinated with tigers. But uh, also, I'll never forget this. I mean, when I first started doing the talk show, probably twenty some years ago, I was with Joan Embry at the uh, San Diego Zoo. Oh and, yeah. And Joan kept bringing out all these pets and stuff, and she brought out this porcupine. I literally have not forgotten that in 24 years. I can just I I can visually see the noise this creature made, which I never knew they did when they were eating, uh, and it was the most adorable face that you wanted to cuddle, but you know you can't. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we. Um, I work with some prehensile-tailed porcupines. I'm not sure if that's what Joan had had um, shown that you saw with Joan years ago. Um, but um, they have. There's something about a prehensile-tailed porcupine. They they that is just. Uh, I, I have no other way of putting it, but just absolutely adorable. Um, and they have this this soft, literally squishy little nose, and they're or not not too little, and they're just they're just absolutely. Gorgeous, gorgeous. They are. They, they yeah. really are. And their eyes on them. And I, I'll never forget. Like when he was when he was eating the little treats that Joan was giving him. 
all of a sudden he would just sit there going, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I'm dying here. I mean, yeah, the por- yeah, the porcupines I've worked with are so sweet too. Yeah, absolutely adorable, and he was he was he was great. Hey, congratulations to Chris in Chopin, Washington. Chris, you're getting a copy of the book, The Soul of All Living Creatures. What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human by Dr. Vint Verga. And Vint, you can find this book in bookstores and online, correct? Yes, yes, pretty much everywhere books are sold. Sounds good, and it's a great book. Don't go away, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back with Dr. Vint Verga, but we're going to give away another copy of the book. So the number number three call again that comes in right now to Zach, our producer at the network, uh, the book is yours, 866-606-8255, 866-606-TALK. Pick up the phone, give us a call. If you've got a question as well or a comment, we welcome it in. But the third caller to call in right now to Zach at 866-606-8255. The book is yours. Once again, we're speaking with Dr. Vint Verga. The Soul of All Living Creatures is the book. I'm John Patch. I'm Barry Sibum. I'm Jenna Winters. 866-606-8255. Don't forget, you can watch us live on the webcam right now at TalkinPets.com. No G in the Talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, Pets.com. And please join us on Facebook and Twitter. We want to hear from you guys. We're at about 15,000 now. We want to keep it building. So uh, check us out once again at TalkinPets.com. T-A-L-K-I-N, Pets.com. This is Talkin Pets. Talkin' Pets. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Are you crazy about cats? If so, check out The World is Your Litter Box, Deluxe Edition. This clever how-to manual for cats, written by a cat named Quasi, contains more laughs than should be allowable in one book, and is poignantly underscored by the combative yet loving relationship between Quasi and his human. The World is Your Litter Box, Deluxe Edition, is guaranteed to have you laughing your tail off. So, treat yourself to a copy today. Available from Amazon. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are one of the only live shows on Pet Life Radio, and I'm here to answer your questions. So you can call in at 877-385-8882, or you can drop me an email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and hopefully we'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. With this hour's Talking Pets news from the USA Today, here's your host, John Patch. In Honolulu, Hawaii, a dog taken from its owner in Illinois had been found in Hawaii eight years later. Cheryl Jans lost her Boston Terrier named Koki after a breakup with her boyfriend. Someone left her pet at the Hawaii Humane Society shelter in Kona. Humane Society dispatcher Oleana Villanoe said shelter employees checked on the microchip embedded and found Jans. Barry? In Pueblo, Colorado, the state is trying to contain the spread of a virus that threatens the state pork industry. 
porcine epidemic diarrhea virus was once thought to exist only in Europe and China, but Colorado and 12 other states began reporting the virus in April. We're having pork chops for dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Not. In Laguna Beach, California, a rare jellyfish may have made a stinging debut at Thousand Steps Beach when some people suffering stings all over their bodies. Some swimmers came ashore with dark membranes clinging to them as the jellyfish broke up in the surf. From the color, the jellyfish may be rare black jellies. In Wilmington, Delaware, you're really not supposed to give your co-star a big slurpy kiss unless the script calls for it. But Zoe just couldn't help herself last Friday as she, in great Shakespearean tradition, impersonated a male in her first rehearsal as understudy for the Shakespeare Festival production of Two Gentlemen from Verona. The playful eight-month-old Pitbull mix is one of six dogs from the Faithful Friends Animal Society cast in the production. I just went to the uh, screening for Grown Ups 2, and the one guy in the, in the movie was French kissing a greyhound. Okay. I'll leave it at that. All righty. But he thought it was another guy. In Sitka, Alaska, (laughs) Henry Liebman reeled in the 39.808-pound short raker rockfish, breaking the old record of 38.69 pounds for the short raker, caught on sport fishing gear. Now, the age of the fish hasn't yet been determined, but that, too, might be a record, according to a fishery. In Champaign, Illinois, the city council voted Tuesday to end a ban on keeping chickens within the city limits. This move will allow city residents to keep hens in their backyards for egg production. Mayor Don Gerald said he received more emails on the chicken issue than any tax issue that's come up in his first term. I want chickens. I mean, can you, can know, you not have chickens? Not in the city limits. But Are you in city here? Yeah, but they're changing that. I mean, eventually they're going to let more and more people yeah, have that's chickens. Just what you need, John, just is no chickens roosters. running around. Just no roosters. Not waking me up. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Barry Siebel. I got my ticket for the long way round. Two bottles of whiskey for the way. And I sure would like some sweet company. And you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Barry Sibyl. I'm Jenna Winters. 866-606-8255. Hey, congratulations to Gail in Falcon, Missouri. Gail, you're getting a copy of the book, The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human, by Dr. Vint Verga. And that's coming out to you, Gail, in uh, Missouri. Uh, Dr. Verga, I want to ask you, too, the song kind of kicked me in on this. You're going to miss me when I'm gone. But um, a lot of people... We'll argue this fact. Not so much animal people, but if you go to someone that maybe doesn't understand animals or pets or... But in your belief, um, according to you in your book, The Soul of All Living Creatures, do animals have souls? I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that animals have souls. Um, when, uh, and it's not really a new thought. Um, it, it dates back um, through the millennia. There's been philosophers, poets, historians, scholars that have all um, uh, individually uh, felt that animals have souls. But, it, but uh, there's plenty of skeptics that, that really question that, too. You know, I, I, just, I just think it, it's interesting because we as humans, what makes us different than any other animal? 
And we, we pretty much have the same organs, and we the blood goes through our body and our veins, and it feeds our heart, just like animals. What's the difference? And so for people to say that they don't have a soul, but they say that humans do, uh, that's my argument. Yeah, one of the things that people use as an argument as to why animals don't have souls is they, they say that animals aren't self-aware. And um, in my what, 30 years of experience, I just haven't found that to any evidence to prove that isn't true. In fact, I've found just the opposite. Um, scientists will point to studies that, that where they'll put fish or, or, or monkeys in front of mirrors, and if they see the reflection and don't recognize that as themselves, they say, okay, so the animal's not self-aware. But that's a human test, saying, okay, if you don't recognize yourself in a mirror, then um, then you're not self-aware. And and that's a that's really a, a that's a problematic way of identifying whether whether anybody is self-aware an animal. Um, and how many say. how many mirrors are there in the forest or in the bottom of a lake or sure I'm, sure and so and if it isn't a mirror a television set or whatever it it just doesn't I don't think that that's a criterion for it to decide if if an animal is self-aware. Yeah, it amazes me. I, when my mom passed away and I came back uh, from Pennsylvania to Tampa after my mom was, uh, after we buried my mom, um, and I came home that first night when I went to bed, I, was, I woke up that next morning with both of my cats sleeping in the bed next to me with their heads, like, on my side. And that they don't do. Like, the one cat will sleep in my bed, the other one does not. Um, but to wake up with that, it was they were very much aware of the pain and suffering that I was going through, and they were there to comfort. Mm. So yeah. something I'll never forget for sure. I got to ask you, um, uh, with the evolution, I want to turn it up a little bit to the evolution of zoos. What's your opinion? Because that's another controversial issue out there. Is some people will say, "Oh, there should not be zoos. Why keep animals in captivity?" Um, but a lot of the zoos over the years have, and I'm not talking roadside zoos because I don't agree with those, of course, but the professionally well-run zoos, they're changing. They're making the habitats better for the animals, don't you think? Oh, yes, certainly they are. Um, back, I, uh, I, I'm with um, you in that 20, 30 years ago, zoos were very, very different. But with really, it may have even been a little long, longer than that, with the dawning of, of the Aquarian Age around in the 70s, zoos started really questioning their fo- focus and purpose, and they shifted from being primary enter- primarily there for entertainment, um, where people, where animals would be, quote-unquote, on exhibit, to um, uh, working more towards creating habitats that were more naturalistic for an animal to try to help people to see a little bit more of what the animal might be like out in the wild. The other major thing that happened with zoos is that they started um, uh, taking on the primary purpose, um, besides educating people, of, of trying to conserve species as more and more species are becoming endangered. And that's where um, uh, zoos really have evolved dramatically to the point that, that now there are quite a few species. If it weren't for zoos, um, those species would not exist at all. Um, I used to avoid zoos with a passion, uh, even 15 years ago. And then, and to this day, when I'm visiting a town on vacation, and I happen to um, go with my family to a zoo, I can be certain I'm going to come by some exhibits and some habitats that I really, really struggle with and, and I find just are not right for the animals. But then I can turn, turn the corner and go to other habitats where the animals are just doing 
so beautifully. They're thriving. They're happy. They're healthy emotionally, behaviorally, health-wise. And, and I think that there's a, a very, very valuable role that zoos serve. We're going to give away the last book right now. So uh, the number uh, we'll do the number two call, the second call to come into Zach, our producer, The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human by Dr. Vint Verga. Like I said, it's available in bookstores and online. It's put out by Crown Publishers. But you're going to get a copy of the book right now, a complimentary copy to the number two call at 866-606-8255, 866 talk Dr. Berger, what what about um, an instance? You talk about a story here, 52 Hertz Whale. What is that about? Oh, so there is a, a whale out in the North Pacific. Um, he's been dubbed the 52 Hertz Whale. Nobody's ever seen him. But um, the Navy sonar um, instruments from the Cold War were the uh, were, were picking up these sounds that researchers uh, noticed, and um, they tracked it to um, well. What they identified is there was one particular whale that was making sounds unlike any other whale in known existence. Um, and he's following the groups. Uh, he's following various groups of whales for a little while, and then spending a lot of the, his time on his own. He's never associating with other whales, and because he's calling at this 52 hertz frequency that other whales do not communicate at, um, he's been um, he's been the the fascination of researchers, of reporters, um, journalists for for as well as the general public for quite some time. Um, because what we have is is basically an individual, a very social being, a whale that's calling out, trying to communicate with others, and he's not getting a response. And he's been doing this for decades now. Interesting story, and of course they can find out about it in the soul of all living creatures. Eight six 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 zero six talk eight six 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 zero six eight two five five. So bottom line with your book, the soul of all living creatures and all. I mean. If we do pay attention to our animals and the way that they demonstrate certain senses or sensitivities or you know the way they forgive and the way they act towards other creatures and towards humans and their own species, there's a lot that we can learn from them. I, I fully believe that it's been the it's been the mission of my life to sit there and 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 try to understand animals better. And I honestly feel that I and and the people I come in contact with as we talk about the animals really learn huge amounts from them. Do you think that if we, like for instance, if we with our cats or our dogs or domesticated ones especially, or you know in the wild I guess at the zoos and all, but if, if you kind of like pull back on their natural behaviors, do you think they substitute it for something else, move in another direction? Yeah, all animals, if they're given an opportunity to engage in in different behaviors, they're going to explore, invent, create, and where they aren't given an opportunity to engage in behaviors that are typical for their species, they're going to explore, invent, and create just as much. So what I see with dogs and cats in people's homes, what I see with the animals in the zoos, is maybe you see, um, you mentioned tigers earlier, Mm -hmm. certainly in zoos, they aren't hunting prey. But they are foraging. Our cats at home aren't. Are, we aren't offering them lizards and mice and and bugs. Well, they may occasionally find a bug, but we aren't offering them as their meals. Um, but um, we we can encourage our cats rather than just walking up to a bull to um, explore for food around the house to to invent and create toys with them. So I don't think it's critical that animals or, or humans uh, necessarily engage in all species' typical behaviors. As long as they have other behaviors, they can engage in. 
Well, congratulations to Chris in uh, Chopin, Washington, getting a copy of the book, Gail in Falcon, uh, Missouri. And our last book is going out to Jason in Duluth, Minnesota. Congratulations, Jason. You're getting a copy of The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human by Dr. Vint Verga. Dr. Verga, I want to thank you. It's a fascinating conversation and, and, and a fascinating book, so congratulations on this. And uh, I'm sure it's going to do extremely well. And thanks for joining us here on the show. Well, thank you for having me very much. It was nice to talk with you. It was great, and let us know when your next book is coming out. <laughs> okay, I will, John. Thanks say, so much. Say hello to all those uh, animals in the zoos for us. I will. <laughs> Take care. That's Dr. Vint Verga, the author of The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human. We're open to your medical questions and your behavior questions, of course, at all times. The number is 866-606-8255, 866-606-TALK. Don't forget, you can find out more information about the soul of all living creatures by going to our website, TalkinPets.com. Under the news section, you'll see some banners there, and it'll give you some information about the book and some other things all about the show, of course. And please join us on Facebook and Twitter. Right at the top of the homepage, you can see the icons. Just click and join us, and you can find out more and more about the show and tune in, of course, every week. Once again, I'm John Patch. I'm Barry Sewell. I'm Jenna Winters. 866-606-TALK. This is Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets, every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com Mocking animals or harmless Facebook posts? You decide. With the Talking Pets News Brief from Jenna Winters, a southern Minnesota college student's spoof video of an apparently tumorous rabbit that he dubbed Frankenstein has attracted hundreds of thousands of internet viewers. Gunner, a 20-year-old student at Gustavus in St. Peter, and his brother took photos and video of the rabbit, which looks to have tumors growing on its head, on June 26th. In the video entitled The World's Scariest Rabbit, Gunner speaks in an Australian accent imitating the late crocodile hunter Steve Irwin. Gunner put it on Facebook and a friend of his posted it to Reddit. Within four days, more than 200,000 people had watched, according to the Free Press of Mankato. Gunner last saw the rabbit Wednesday night. He thinks it might have a papillomavirus that's a form of cancer. 
Joe Stangle, an area wildlife supervisor from the State Department Natural Resources, said he also suspects that is what it is, but is waiting for confirmation from a veterinarian. It's not an uncommon ailment in rabbits, but he's not seen it on the top of the head. Some of the video comments haven't been particularly kind to Gunner. Some say it's wrong to get a few laughs from a disease that certainly will kill the animal. Others say he has a responsibility to get it some veterinary help. Reporting for Talking Pets, I'm Jenna Winters. But God loves ugly. He doesn't stay the way I see. Oh, God takes ugly and turns it into something that is beautiful. Apparently, Jenna, have you seen this bunny? I have. It's super sad. It's super sad. Barry, have you seen Frankenstein Bunny? No, I have not. If you go to TalkinPets.com on the homepage, there's a video of Frankenstein Bunny. So if you click on the homepage, it's just right there, there's a video there, and you'll see what this rabbit looks like. It is kind of odd. Poor little bun bun. It's very yeah. bizarre looking. It's re- it has like gross. You happen to the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that about an abusive rabbit? <laughs> I'm sorry if you're Well, apparently this one was abused somehow, so. <laughs> it ties in. But I like that song by Jordan Sparks. So yeah. God Loves Ugly. You like this song, Barry? Yeah, this is my theme song. <laughs> <laughs> you're only ugly on the inside. <laughs> Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody said to me in years. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to Frankenstein the Bunny. <laughs> well, check it out at TalkinPets.com, T-A-L-K-I-N, Pets.com. And you'll see the bunny on there. It's very freaky looking, but hey, it's original. <laughs> and it is a little shocking. It's unique. Out to uh, Jim in Poplar, uh, Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And Jim, hey, what's going on with your world? Hi, Jim. Jim got shocked. Nope, Jim's there. Hi, Jim. Hello. How Hello. are you? Uh, fine, thank you. Enjoy your program. Thanks so much. I had a black lab. I lost him a month ago to oh, Rocky Mountain. Sorry. And another tick-borne disease, which I can't tell you what it is, and I probably couldn't pronounce. But <laughs> disease was rougher than... Rocky Mountain, but he wound up with a tumor we thought was on his bladder, and, but it turned out it was on his liver, so we had to put him down. But can tick-borne diseases like that cause tumors, or did he have that tumor all along and it just showed up after he lost 10 pounds? Because he went through, oh gosh, well, I think one of the symptoms is anorexia or the side effects of or the symptoms of Rocky Mountain, so he lost 10 pounds. And, Anorexia, depression, lethargy, all that stuff is is um, symptoms of Rocky Mountain. I have not heard of it causing tumors before. Um, uh-huh. It may have been there, you know, lab. You said it was on the liver, right? Yes, he thought it might be on the on the bladder, but it turned out on the liver. Labs are pretty. Uh, I mean, that's that's a common place for retrievers to liver and spleen. How old was he? Ten. Ten. It could have very well have been there beforehand, and it was just found, you know, secondary after, you know, trying to treat the, the Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. 
Um, yeah. I have not personally heard of of any tick-borne disease um, causing a tumor secondary. Well, yeah, my vet said he he didn't know, but he knew that that, that this, this. I wish I could remember the second disease or second tick-borne problem, but it was rough on organs. But he couldn't say that it could or couldn't, you know. And I saw no indication of it. Of course, it could be there and not really pronounced until he lost 10 pounds. But I was just curious to know if that, you know, could happen. Yeah, I have not. I've not heard of that, so. Okay. Not saying well, that, it, that it couldn't, but I, in my experience, I have not, not seen that. And people need to be aware, though, bottom line, I mean, especially with climate change going on and it's warmer, there's a lot more bugs out, especially this year. I mean, not only just bugs, but fleas and ticks. And if you're walking your dog out there, you really got to take, you know, be careful. Because um, like, just like your dog, your Labrador, I mean, things like this could happen. And, and I've got a friend of mine, actually, Jim, in New York, uh, Nikki, actually, that got Lyme disease, disease herself. And it was, and she's still suffering a couple oh, yeah. of years later from That's, the effects of it. It is passable to humans. Yeah, it was uh, it was horrible what she's been going through. Well, both the game wardens in our area have had uh, Rocky Mountain, but uh, I, I run them. I normally don't run them in this particular area, and I got some ticks on me. But it was late winter, early early spring, and I quit going there. And I discovered a tick in his ear. He, he was on front line. Of course, that stuff, any of that. Uh, topical stuff they have to bite to be killed right yeah yeah so i picked it out of his ear and I'm, I'm suspecting that was the one but it was too late well thanks for bringing that that subject to light too because especially during the summer months people all around the country need to be aware that ticks are a major issue all righty sure are thank you jim thank you that's jim in poplar bluff missouri and actually ticks ticks are external parasites that bury their heads into the skin of their hosts and suck blood until they look like fat beans now, when the ticks can't hold any more blood, they fall off the host and lay about 5,000 eggs or more, which hatch in one or two months. Now, different tick species have different requirements for completing their life cycle, and some ticks need up to three hosts in order to develop from egg to adult. Scary. And tick infestations are hard to get rid of. It's yeah. I mean, uh, there was one time I was walking my dog down in one of the state parks here. This was many years ago, but all of a sudden we got up to this dock and I looked at my dog and it was just covered in ticks. Yep. I mean, I went nuts trying to get them off, and never even thinking that myself could have an issue. Uh, I was just trying to get them off my dog. But it, like you said, and like we were talking about the friend Nikki, yeah, humans can get Lyme disease and everything too. So you got to be careful. Well, spay and neuter your pets and help control that pet population from myself, John Patch. Barry Siegel. Jenna Winters. We say goodbye for this hour of Talking Pets. Don't forget to check us out at TalkinPets.com. No G in the talking. And please, join us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we'll talk with you again soon. Thanks for joining us here in this hour of Talking Pets. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.